Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. They really ought to call these segments one average guy, seven experts, and one really great announcer. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining adults only. Yes, you must be of legal smoking age wherever you are to listen to this podcast. And I'm your host, Brian Levine, uh, back here on a Tuesday at home in the springtime, and the birds are chirping, and the leaves are coming out, and it's beautiful, and uh, anyway, it's springtime. So uh, with that being said, on this week's show on uh, Pipe Parts, I'm going to talk to you about how I can prove the importance of a stem. I'm going to call it the tale of two stems, all right? And then we'll continue our series of seven experts, uh, or seven questions for seven experts, part two, with uh, Doctor of Pipes, Linwood Hines. Then we'll have music, a big mailbag, and rant, all that coming up on uh, this week's episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. And this is the first week of April, so uh, we are gathering items for the JDRF auctions. If you have anything that you would like to donate, please email me, Brian, B-R-I-A-N, at PipesMagazine.com. You'll send the items to me. I will batch them all together, take cute little pictures of them, uh, possibly drool on some of it, and then send it off to uh, the pipe stud Steve Fallon for him to post on his uh, website or eBay store, depending on the item. Uh, The more you send, the merrier it is. And uh, yeah, let's see. I think we're over $13,000 that we've raised in seven years. So uh, it'd be nice to get another couple thousand dollars going. Uh, Really do appreciate it. So anyway, send them to me. Holler at me, Brian at PipesMagazine.com. Or you can uh, message me on uh, Facebook or Instagram as well. And I'll get you all the information. So, all right, let's get the show rolling. So everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in. And here we go. There's nothing quite like a good book or my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corn cob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. See for yourself at corncobpipe.com. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, and I'm going to talk about uh, a tale of two stems. Um, It was the worst of stems, and it was the better of stems, and that's how the story goes. Uh, And this conversation was prompted off of the uh, discussion that I was having on one of the Zoom groups that I hang out with occasionally. And it has to do with with one one of my Disney pipes. And this one is one of the three that I have that are stamped Disneyland. It is obviously a uh, Cheriton Factory Second because they made those as the international selections. Uh, This one has all the correct made in London, England markings and everything, except instead of saying international selection, it says Disneyland on it. Uh, Sandblast, Cheriton shape. Anyway, it is what it is. It came with a double comfort stem Uh, for those that don't know the double comfort stem is a Cheriton thing it's a stem where it's a saddle and then right at the last inch it drops down even further so it gets real thin there and then the button 
and that's what's called the double comfort stem. The double comfort stems, you either absolutely love them or you really don't like them. Um, I'm on the don't like them end of that spectrum because they're just, I don't know, they're just not, they're hard to keep clean and they're just not that comfortable for me. So when I got this pipe and I was smoking it with that double comfort stem on it, I thought, well, this is nice, but you know, instead of having to deal with the double comfort stem and having to deal with the, uh, with the, uh, uh, with the vulcanite turning green faster than the trees are right now in my backyard uh you know and this was like 10 15 years ago i'll ask my friend ronnie b the now retired pipe repairer and restoration and uh, reconfigurer i said you know maybe you can do something to this because there was a gap in the tenon mortise that was big enough to hold a wad of tobacco in there and i said you know just maybe you can make a stem for it so he did what he called a smoking stem for it. It's a simple acrylic stem that is cut quick and, you know, isn't shaped to perfection in any way, but has a very comfortable button on it. And the tenon fits the mortise perfectly. Since then, that pipe has been one of it's the one Disneyland or the one pipe out of the Disney collection that I smoke on a regular basis, and it's because of that stem. So, as we were talking about this a couple weeks ago, I thought, you know what, let me get the double comfort stem out for it. And I did a light cleaning to it because it's just been sitting in a drawer hiding. Uh, did a light cleaning to it and thought, you know, let me let me test drive these two again and put them side by side and try them out and see what maybe I've learned something different about the double comfort, whatever it was. Uh, here's what happened. One, first of all, it still had that old rubber taste to it because that stem had been sitting in a drawer for the better part of 10, 15 years. Uh, so I had to try to reclean it again and go through it again and get it cleaned out. Uh, it was an okay smoke, but halfway through one of the bowls, I said, all right, let me try the other stem. And I put the other stem in, I cleaned out the, uh, cleaned out the mortise hole from all the gunk that had built up in the space in there and put the other stem in and the pipe went right back to smoking and just smoked really well and was really comfortable and i thought all right that explains it you know it's the tale of two stems uh and just that simple fact that the gap of the tenon mortise was taken out and that nasty old rubber was taken off of there that acrylic stem stays perfectly clean and it's just a really good smoker at that point now it is a little large for me uh for most of my pipes but Again, you know, if I'm looking for a two-hour bowl, that's one of the pipes that I go to. If I'm dealing with a bigger, uh, because of the tobacco chamber, if I'm if I'm smoking like uh, you know a a more full-bodied blend, that pipe just seems to eat them up. And then I did a little bit of reaming on the inside just to clean up the bowl a little bit, and went back to smoking it. And uh, now I've been uh, really liking it, especially with my. Uh, special concoction blend that I'm still working through that one bowl, uh, that one jar of the uh, Virginia Perique. So there you go. Uh, so my suggestion to you is 
if you've got a pipe that you really like the shape of and you think there might be something more there, but it's got one of the, you know, got an old uh, vulcanite stem on it, maybe reach out to one of the pipe, one of the pipe repair guys or pipe restoration guys. Have them cut just an acrylic smoking stem for it. It's not going to be as comfortable on your teeth, but have them cut an acrylic smoking stem for it. Uh, and try that out as a difference of pipe and see what happens. Uh, if you have any uh, comments or questions, again, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. Love, uh, love to hear how you guys, uh, if any of you do that, and tell me what you think of it. Have any of you had a smoking stem made for a pipe? Maybe a pipe that's... Uh, pretty high end and you don't want to you don't want to uh you don't want a bunch of teeth marks on the stem so you get a smoking stem cut for it yeah let me know all right in just a moment my conversation with linwood hines this is internet radio smokingpipes.com has been my family's tradition for over 10 years my granddad enjoys his evening pipe on the front porch my father prefers his in the study, and well, me, I like to hang outside the local coffee shop with a pipe in one hand and my smartphone in the other. The best selection is at SmokingPipes.com. They always have the exact pipe I'm looking for. Savinelli, Peterson, Dunhill, and great stuff from dozens of top artisans around the world. Plus, they have over 70 tobacco brands with 750 blends to choose from. Lighters, tampers, tobacco jars, yep, they have that too. But the best part about SmokingPipes.com is that it's easy to order from my computer, tablet, or even my smartphone. And if Granddad has trouble with technology, he can always call them at 1-888-366-0345. I heard that. Do you think I'm deaf? I'm the one who told you about SmokingPipes.com, and I had a smartphone before you. You kids today, blah, blah, blah. SmokingPipes.com. Make it your family tradition. <laughs> We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show with seven questions for seven experts, part two. And this time it's a doctor of pipes, uh, founder of the uh, Conclave of Richmond Pipe Smokers and the world famous core show, which is, you know, kind of pre kind of existing again. Uh, Linwood Hines, Linwood, welcome back to the show. Well, thank you for having me, Brian. It's uh, it's a pleasure to talk with you again. We always seem to uh, come to blows. I mean, uh, um, something <laughs> like that. Yeah. Well, that's because you're old. You're old and curmudgeonly, and I'm getting there. Yes, you'll you'll find out what it's like. Um, just prepare yourself. Yeah. So here's your first question. Are you ready? I'm ready. If you could only sell our 100 tins, would you prefer to have 100 tins of one blend, 50 tins each of two blends, 25 tins each of four blends, or 10 tins each of 10 blends? Yes. <laughs> now you so have. I figured with that I could have, let's see, 185 tins. <laughs> and, uh, and, that would get me through the year probably but really does it have to be tins well because <laughs> you know that the one tobacco blend that i smoked for a lot of for so many years didn't come in a tin um and speaking of tin it's had a tin on the end of the 
blend name. Uh, and the year 20 is appropriate. So I'm not going to say, well, I guess I just did, didn't I? Yeah. Uh, 2015? 20, no, I said 10 was on the end. Oh, 2010. You perique people, I swear. <laughs> um, no, 2010 supposedly never came in 10s. I guess I could take my bulk jars and put them in old tins. Is that okay? Sure. So for the, for the sake of this question, would you be okay with one blend? No. Uh-oh. No, I'm I'm uh, I'm a much more diverse person than you would have ever thought of me. <laughs> but despite being old and curmudgeonly. Um, no, actually, I was thinking 25 tins each of four blends, which would encase the 2010. Yep. Original Balkan Sobrani White. And since we're on English's um, original Red Rapparee, and then I have a little, little worry about what that last one would be. You know, it's kind of like, oh my gosh, that's you know. That's when you could put the twenty fifteen in there. Well, no, that Parik stuff keep coming. Stop bringing up that Parik <laughs> stuff. Um, see, I went. I was stationed in the army in Fort Polk, Louisiana, and. I, despite the people were wonderful down there, the swamp wasn't, and I just don't really care for that stuff. No offense to anybody, no offense to the tobacco and the people that make it, it's wonderful, and I actually smoke a little teeny bit once in a while, but no, it's not going to be that last one. The last one would probably be cross between um, McCraney's Red Ribbon mm -hmm. and or um, Peter Stockaby Flake, the one without Parika. I'm messing up. What is that? Luxury Flake. Luxury Flake. Yep. Yeah. Which is, both of those are so fine, it's just hard to choose. So I might cheat a little there. So we're talking two Englishes and two Virginias. Yes, sir. And and then life would be okay. Well, really, what else is there except that Perique stuff? Well, in my case, there's Perique and then there's all the other tobaccos. Uh, but out of, out of those four, you'd be able to have a good equal rotation and that would keep you just as fat, dumb, and happy as you are. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Do you have, since some of those, well, one of those is currently available, do you like to age the Peter Stokeby uh, luxury flake a little bit? A little bit. But, um, you know, gosh, I guess I met Peter, we say Stokeby, I said Stokeby. Um I want to say 1979, 1980. And 
he handed me some of that as well as a couple other blends. And I was blown away. Oh my gosh, this is great. Um, the only real Virginia flakes that were back then that I had available to me was Dunhill Light Flake, which was just fine, fine tobacco, fine taste. Um, it's a little different now. Of course, everything is different. I know that. But it had a plum taste to it. Um, and let's see, the Stockaby and... Um, I think that was the only other flake available. Yeah. That I knew of. We the store would get in little shipments of stuff from England like walnut flake and uh craven, not craven, another one's but anyway, so in smoking the Stockaby flake, and you know since you represented them for some years, um it gets smoked up pretty fast. (laughs) (laughs) And so it never really got to age much, but here about a year or so ago, I, you know, panicked on what tobacco was going to be available. So I bought a bunch and I opened a jar of the Stockaby and I guess it was four years old, maybe. And it had another dimension that I didn't remember. So I'm going to make sure to age some more, but you don't need to. When do you remember first hearing about flake tobaccos? Because in the 70s, 80s, there wasn't a lot of flakes out there. No, like I said, uh, Dunhill Light Flake. Yeah. Um, And, you know... Working at the tinderbox I worked at, I met Peter, and he gave me some of that. Um, I, you know, I don't think until I got into the mid-'80s and, and the Corps started having a show that I knew of anything else. Yeah. Maybe Freiburg and Trier Flake. Um that floated around sometime, but uh, otherwise, you have to remember in the late 70s, we were still in the throes of everyone smoking aromatics um, or Englishes. Yep. For example, Red Rapparee and Balkan Sobrani White in our shop sold about a case of tens a month. 60. 80 tens a month. And the rest was pretty much aromatic, other than the, the tender box, which tended to be Stockaby, um, Englishes. So we didn't, we weren't exposed back then to a lot of flakes, other than the flakes that came in the store. <laughs> or the flakes that might have worked there. Um, all right, let, <laughs> we'll, yeah. we'll move on to the third question because you answered number two already, but what is the oldest tobacco you have smoked and how was your experience with it? Okay. Um, thinking back over time, it really wasn't that old. 
but it was one of three blends. It was either a very old tin of Balkan Sobrani white or a very old tin of Sullivan, Sullivan and Powell or a very old tin of Red Rapparee. And when I say very old, I'm talking cutter tops, um, puffy tops and bottoms, you know, the sides of the tins bulging, uh, that sort of thing. And it was heaven. Now, those were shared in the tender box, and they probably came from an estate that a widow walked in and said, my husband had all these pipe tobaccos. What do you want to do with them? And we just said, oh, that's all right. We'll dispose of them for you. We understand. Sorry for your loss. Goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) And sneaky bastards that we were. And there were only two of us in the tinderbox that's, generally smoked English tobaccos. Um, So the other ones didn't care for them, so we never showed them (laughs) the (laughs) tins. But honestly, that it was between one of those three, and they were all equally just, oh my gosh, matured, fermented, wonderful smokes that smoked, you know, to a fine ash just oh my you know so the idea of cellaring makes it worth it if you live that long (laughs) we're going to take a break right here when we come back four more questions for uh, Doctor of Pipes Linwood Hines so stay with us we'll be back in just a minute Being at the forefront of craft tobacco production for over 20 years, we've been involved in some rather interesting projects at Cornell and Deal. From the Cellar Series to the Small Batch Project, we're extremely proud of how far we've come. So moving forward, we wanted to take it back to basics, and that's what the Burley Flake Series is all about. Burley is an underrated varietal, but there is a ton of nuance there. Using various condimental tobaccos to accentuate different aspects of the air-cured leaf, each blend in this series is intended to showcase different individual subtleties inherent to Burley. It's a simple concept, one that I think really speaks to the essence of what we do at C&D, as a crew of folks who just love tobacco. It's also really good. Cornell and Deal's Burley Flakes series, wherever fine tobaccos are sold. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show with uh, Linwood Hines, uh, curmudgeon at large, and my hero, who I soon will be, uh, except I won't have that gentlemanly Virginia accent that he has. But uh, Linwood, ready for question number four? Of course. I'm at your service. How has your preference in pipes changed over time? You know, like bents versus straight, large, small, smooth, rusticated, um, you know, uh, carbureted or not? Uh, fuel injected. 
<laughs> well, honestly, Brian, I, I guess it's a sign of old age because for probably 35 years, other than an occasional Peterson, I probably never smoked anything other than a straight shape pipe. Yeah. Um, I just didn't get along with bents. But now that I've gotten older and I'm reading a lot more, um, you know, falling down a lot, that kind of thing, um, I find that a bent pipe, like I'm smoking right now, is um, comfortable. <laughs> it's not. It's not the. I'm not getting rid of the straights for bents, but I still basically enjoy the straight pipes. But uh, bent ones become comfortable, especially since I'm up late at night a lot. I guess maybe I'm getting weaker and lazier and that sort of thing. As far as size, yes. Um, however, I have certain rules for straights and bents that they have to be of a certain length um, and a certain bowl size, certain chamber diameter and depth or phooey on them. <laughs> And I, I know the modern pipe smoker, the young guys, like shorter, um, smaller bowl pipes. And the people that, you know, have to have a smoke break and only get 10 minutes and that kind of thing, that's what they're going to smoke. But my answer to that is get you a big pipe because you don't have to fill the bowl up all the way. Just <laughs> fill it up halfway. Um, and that's... That should be a revelation to the world, you know. I, I enjoy, let's say, medium to larger pipes. Um, when I'm going to read book, magazine, something like that, I generally go for a larger bowl and want to sit there and have a smoke for a couple hours. So otherwise, it's a medium, medium-large bowl still. Um so even after 110 years of pipe smoking, your personal pipe smoking is still kind of changing and evolving as your habits change. Well, and back to the curmudgeon thing, I'm only going to change so much. <laughs> the world ain't going to do a lot to me to make me change. <laughs> uh, just slightly. I, I, you know, I don't mind having a pink shirt or something like that, but um, I'm only going to change so much. <laughs> uh, has your preference in brand, I mean, you mentioned Peterson, but has, has your preference in brand of pipes changed over time? Weren't, you were an early adapter to uh, Cheriton, weren't you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we had Cheritons, but in general, um, in general, let's see. Can we say in general? Yeah. In general, I like English, Italian, Danish, American, not necessarily in those order pipes. <laughs> um, 
Are there other? Yeah. But I guess because of my curmudgeonly ways, I pretty much stick with English shakes, what we call English shakes. Um, but I have quite a few Italian pipes and quite a few Irish pipes, quite a few American pipes. So, yeah, that's my yeah. answer. There you go. All right. Um, but, you know, the, the good old standard billiard, the good old standard Dublin, and best of all, the straight squat large bulldog. As long as Paige Sims doesn't get to it first. Right. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it, it's hard to beat those. It really is hard to beat the way that they smoke, either that or I've adapted to the way they smoke. You know, if, if you come up with another shape name, all right, it still has a bowl this size, you know, that sort of thing. But um, maybe it's just what appeals to me in looks, so therefore that's what I'm going to smoke. All Does right. that make any sense at all? Makes perfect sense, and which is really sad for me. Um, your next question is, what is the pipe you own that has the most sentimental value to you and why? Tina, uh, now this was because of my luck in life, having been blessed, my blessings in life, I should say, um, with good friends that were pipe makers. They were friends, even though we met because of pipes. Um, this is a very hard one. Probably okay. my earliest special pipe that I would say I would answer this question about is in Ashton. I don't know if you were around the core show in 1993 but no um, we ha we had a special event for the core show and the core supplied buses to go to downtown richmond from way out in midlothian to penny lane pub <laughs> which was an english slash irish pub that's yep. famous it started in, I think, the early 70s. Um, and, and if you ever do come to Richmond and spend some time, I'll take you there. It's evolved a little bit. You used to could smoke throughout. Of course, you can't now. You but took, you took me there second. one time. I did? You took me there one time, and then I went a couple times on my own, especially during trivia night. And when I got in there for trivia night, I realized I was the old guy. So, <laughs> Well, that's unusual because they're usually pretty old guys there. Well, not for, um, not for trivia night when the college was in in town, but <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Well, so Penny Lane Pub, we took the entire number of people in the show to Penny Lane Pub, and the special guest was William Ashton Taylor. <laughs> 
Oh, boy. Okay. Um, Bill as a young man, yeah. believe it or not. <laughs> Somewhat young. And at the time, I was, as you said, I was really into Cheritons, so to speak. I had, uh, I had gotten some of Bill's pipes and was slowly changing what I had and buying more Ashton's. <laughs> they were fabulous pipes, okay? Um, still are fabulous pipes. But I had gone nuts over Ashton's. And you could almost afford them compared to that other English brand um, <laughs> at the time. And anyway, so Bill made me a Cheriton shape, which was called a Trafalgar, but in a very magnum size. Wow. Um, and until... Some years after, he never made another one like that. He made it for another good friend of mine that lives in Texas. Anyway, um, and so I was just, I mean, you know, I got presented that pipe, and I, I just, I never knew what to say. I still don't know what to say. It was, <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. So my answer until a little later, probably would say that Ashton Trafalgar giant pipe. Oh, it's it smokes fabulously, and I have to smoke it about twice a year. But it takes, gosh, an ounce to fill it up. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and it'll generally smoke for. Oh, I give up after about three hours. <laughs> But I've also, you know, been friends with John Eels, whose pipes smoke wonderfully, and he's made a few pipes for me personally that I just cherish. Yeah. Um, one in particular from Jimmy Craig, making Ashton pipes now that I cherish. Um, so, and I'm going to stop there to try to not make it so long, but these friends have done this for me and I know you quote unquote can't take it with you, but, uh, those all have sentimental value to me and, um, kind of like the bulk jars of tobacco. When the apocalypse comes, you will see not a backpack, but a wheelbarrow <laughs> full of stuff. Okay. Here comes Linwood clinking, clinking down the road with his jars of tobacco and pipes. <laughs> yeah. All right. Your next question for the sake of time, uh, how does situation affect your pipe and tobacco of choice? You know, outdoor, indoor, morning, evening, on the go, parked your butt in the chair or, uh, I don't know, cold weather, hot weather. I think that's pretty much true of everybody. You know, if you're going to be outdoors doing stuff and the wind is blowing, you're not going to smoke a fine cut, you know, um, morning. Well, when I was growing up, I mean, when I was <laughs> yeah. going through life and work, um, 
every morning on the way to work, my morning tobacco was McCraney's Red Ribbon. Mm. Okay? I went through a lot of tins and a lot of years. Um, I would like that to happen now, but because of our situation in keeping our grandson almost every day, um, instead of driving to work, I'm driving to pick up the grandson, and um, the wife just doesn't care for me smoking in her car in front of the grandson. Yeah. Okay. Although he tends to like the smell of tobacco, but I won't say that publicly. <laughs> um, but pretty much it's relative to the time, the weather, the time of day, time of year, um, etc. So I think pretty much most of us are kind of that way. So you don't you will will you save the Latakia blends for the colder weather and then not smoke them during the summer or, or are you out there burning campfire leaves and chasing off mosquitoes with the Latakia during the summertime too? It works wonderfully, <laughs> and I, I think Perique draws them. Well, that's because it's so sweet and tasty. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But no, I will whatever the heck I want. But typically a lighter blend and earlier in the day and as I go on, um, it will be a, a little bit richer. I'm not gonna say heavier, but richer. Um, until late in the evening, like right now, I'm smoking some red wrapperie. Um and it's a nice evening and a cup of coffee beside me and so forth that it's it's just an end to a day. It's a wonderful end to the day. And your next question is, what famous pipe smoker from the past would you like to share a bowl with? And it has to be somebody you never met. Okay. Um, other than that last part of it, I was going to say Tom Dunn, but then I read, actually read the instructions yep um it's 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 another choice thing here um hard decision you know mark Irwin with peterson uh, with uh, peterson pipe notes mm -hmm. put out this question thing what tobacco and pipe would you go on the desert island with yeah you know and it's just unfair because here we are four blends all this kind of stuff anyway so my first indication was something that's um been on my mind for many years and some things that i studied and it would have been uh the american indian named crazy horse Ooh. that i can't pronounce his name but I also thought it would be nice to sit down in front of and ask questions to two authors, Mark Twain and Christopher Morley. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't that be a hoot? In very much different styles, different eras, but you could gather so much about pipe smoking and life from those two guys. 
And then I thought, well, what would be contemporary? And my answer was Dr. Seuss. <laughs> and I'll probably get banned from the Chesterfield Library. <laughs> but I think he would be probably the pick to sit down and have a conversation with. You cannot get much more creative in a wonderful way than Dr. Seuss. Yeah. And he actually drew a couple things with pipes in it early on. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, illustrated a couple characters with him. Yeah. Yeah. All right. In your final bonus question, uh, what are other hobbies you have? Um, have tried to take up golf. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like everything else, even pipe smoking, if, if you, don't have time to get in a lot of practice. You pretty much have to do it at late at night. And that's hard to go out and play golf at night. So I guess my other hobby is hope. <laughs> hope to be able to do things to enjoy myself and my pursuit of that. So let's call the other hobby I have hope. And it's a lot better than your previous hobby of uh, motorcycle racing where you tried to kill yourself on a weekend basis. Well, yeah. Young and, you know, I I stopped that because, you know, you tend to burn out pipes as you're (laughs) riding the motorcycle. (laughs) I, I, I'm picturing you with a, with a helmet on and your pipe in your face and ashes all over the place. Mm, not if you pack it right. <laughs> I never could achieve that, though. <laughs> Linwood Hines, Doctor of Pipes, thank you very much for coming back and doing this with me. Thank you for having me. Um, I hope that, you know, the public won't hear this, so I won't be embarrassed, but uh, that's me. <laughs> Brian, I, you take care. And we'll be back in just a minute. <laughs> A Savinelli pipe is a testament to a long legacy, fortified by well-worn hands and destined to be enjoyed for generations. For over 150 years, Savinelli has been dedicated to sourcing the world's finest briar, committed to pushing the boundaries of pipe design, and devoted to the tradition of Italian pipe making. Savinelli is more than a mark. They're a way to help you make your mark, and like you, there can only be one Savinelli. This is Internet Radio. And we are back. Hopefully you enjoyed, uh, what was that? That's uh, number four of the Ask the Experts. Uh, Hopefully uh, you learned something too. All right, for music, yeah, I was in Vegas last week, so we're going back to Elvis. And this is the original recording of of Suspicious Minds. Don't believe a word I say 
in his uh, younger days was a occasional pipe smoker and I was kind of um, you know I, I I wanted to play Elvis because I was in Vegas and when we were walking up and down the strip I did not see one Elvis impersonator so I'm worried that you know Elvis maybe uh, maybe it's possible that Elvis is dead you've got mail pattern baldness and remember mailbag comments questions you can post it at pipesmagazine.com on the radio show there right on that episode or you can email me directly brian b-r-i-a-n at pipesmagazine.com all right going back to uh last week 
Uh, Light My Fire says, great episode. I agree with the rant. I don't love what they did to tobacco reviews either. The alphabetical listing of brands is gone. Replaced it with just a scrolling list so that you can't quick jump by letter anymore. More than half the page is taken up by banners, so the list only displays 10 options at once, causing you to click endlessly one at a time to find the listing you want. This new setup is not user-friendly, especially on mobile. Um, I don't know why there was a need to change it either. It didn't seem to be broken at all, so why fix it? Yeah, can't argue with that. And apparently, uh, <laughs> yeah, apparently a lot of you agree with that. Uh, Casey Ghost says, going back to uh, the show with uh, Rick Newcomb, uh, this was just a sensational show, starting with a review of Capstan Blue by Brian. His review confirmed for me not to buy this tobacco. Uh, it's always good to have support of, uh, for your biases, and besides, I have already decided on the four blends to ride out, <laughs> ride out of here on. Uh, Rick is such a wonderful person to interview. He came across as a typical pipe smoker in that at times he likes one thing and other times he prefers something else. The pipe smokers in my circle are of this variety rather than greatly favoring one kind of tobacco or pipe. I thought his choice of Bertram Russell was very was a very unusual choice, but his explanation made sense. His uh, Mathematica Principio was a tour de force of math logic. He won a Nobel Prize in literature of all things. It's always rare pleasure when you can talk to a true genius despite having major differences in political thinking and other eccentricities. I'm going to have to chat with my children to see when my Nana Iverson pipe will be arriving. I know she is backlogged, but the thing is almost five years late in getting here. <laughs> I really don't care much whether it is a, it is a pipe she carved or uh, for herself. Either way, it's good. Uh, calling Steve Earle a bluegrass musician is like calling Einstein a bookkeeper, but the music you selected was enjoyable. <laughs> there you go. Thanks, Dan. Um, uh, American musician? I don't know. Anyway, uh, Dino says, Rick was, as usual, engaging, informing, and entertaining. I enjoyed his animated answers to the seven questions. Nice musical choice. Steve Earle is among my favorites. Thanks, Dino. And uh, Spike says, Brian, I'm a longtime fan of your podcast and a much longer 50-year pipe smoker. Uh, my dear wife has started enjoying your podcast. We recently watched your interview on Professor Jeremiah's YouTube channel, and she got a real, a real kick out of your comments on non-smokers tuning into your podcast. She fits neatly into that category. She and I love your show and love the YouTube presentation. But in case you get too proud, she cannot remember meeting you at the Richmond show in 2019. The downside is she is uh, she now ruminates about trying a pipe, but I try to discourage that because I'm down to my last 150 tins. <laughs> there you go. Uh, apparently, I left an impression, but not a memorable impression on uh, Spike's wife. But uh, hello to Spike's wife. And going back to my uh, discussions of, uh, of the Queen's Gambit and pipe smoking in TV and the recommendation of The Dig, uh, Greg Selman writes, while on the subject of television that depicts smoking how it historically was, my personal favorite is the PBS Masterpiece series Endeavor. 
Set in 1960s Oxford, it's the extraordinarily made prequel to the long-running British crime series Inspector Morse. Of course, cigarettes are king and are constantly burning on the screen, being period correct. One of the main characters, Detective Inspector Fred Thursday, however, is a pipe smoker who is shown numerous times in each episode doing it exactly how it would have been done. I've thoroughly enjoyed all seven seasons and am patiently awaiting release of the next season. So there's something else to watch. I wonder if uh, Fred Thursday is related to uh, Sergeant Joe Friday. Um, and then Guy writes, <laughs> piling on to the tobaccoreviews.com change. Uh, Hi again, Brian. Just heard your latest podcast, your rant on the changetobaccoreviews.com website I couldn't agree more with. Surely they could revert to the old, which was warm and welcoming and did help the reader learn more about reviewers' other reviews. Here's hoping the site might change back to what was a really good website experience, best guy. And uh, uh, Lowell writes, uh, Brian, I don't always agree with your rants, but this week you hit the nail on the head. I've been wondering if you would comment on the Tobacco Reviews website. It would not longer, uh, it will no longer properly load on my iPad, so I have to view it on my desktop, and it's not nearly as functional. Whoever redesigned it was either a computer with limited memory or a bean counter who doesn't know the difference between a button and a bowl. Keep up the good work, Lowell, just a bit west of Michael Park's workshop. So we've heard from uh, the U.S., from Hong Kong, from Canada. And uh, continuing on, <laughs> Fletch writes, First, I agree about the listener comment about pipe smoking in the movie The Dig. I watched it with my wife and commented to her that the pipe used by the main character looked like a Lovat. I mentioned it was similar to my travel pipe that I bought from Jay Fox in, uh, on our visit to London. Uh, normally, she tolerates my pipe hobby and pipe facts, but this time she seemed to be both interested and in paying attention to what I was saying. I continued the story by telling her that I dropped that same pipe while on vacation in Williamsburg and snapped the stem. I really missed having a travel pipe that went on every vacation. That Lovat has been with me around the world. She asked again about the pipe name and I explained why I like the Lovat and how it had sentimental value purchased from a specific store near Buckingham Palace. Then she asked how to spell Lovat. Wow, she was really interested, I thought. As it turns out, she was sitting next to me with her phone and Googling the name. Two weeks later, I opened my Valentine's gift to find a brand new custom-carved Lovat pipe. Best surprise and first time she's ever bought me a pipe. So I'm thankful to the dig for my new pipe. Thought you would enjoy a good wife pipe story. And uh, Fletch, the pipe-smoking dentist, is also sending in a, a wonderful Costello pipe for the auction. So I've seen pictures of it. Uh, it it's beautiful. And then uh, finally, uh, just catching up with Dan Locklear, who is uh, uh, nearing completion on his third symphony. So in, can't wait for that to come out. And further, he said one of his works had a very high profile broadcast on BBC Radio 3 last week. Lots of response to that. Just as I'm continuing to get very positive responses from the little tea article I did for the February issue of the Pipe Collector from the NASPC. And here I thought most pipe smokers were coffee drinkers and just might not even be interested in reading such an article. So there you go. Dan's been busy and he's creating new music. And as soon as uh, 
soon as I can get a chance, I can't wait to hear that. So uh, anyway, he's on sabbatical, so he's uh, <laughs> he's been busy. Uh, again, comments, questions, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. Um, if you two don't like the way uh, Tobacco Reviews has been redone, well, you're not alone, apparently. So there you go. All right, enough of that. Rant time coming up next. This is Phil Morgan, General Manager of Missouri Meerschaum Corncob Pipes in Washington, Missouri. Our mission since 1869 has been to produce great smoking pipes that anyone can afford. We guarantee our pipes won't be your most expensive, but they just might be the ones you smoke the most. At Missouri Meerschaum Company, we don't just sell our corncob pipes. We grow them, make them, and smoke them. Missouri Meerschaum, Washington, Missouri, since 1869. Perfect. And I may have made an error in judgment. And I know that's not news to anybody, especially those that are married to me, but I I made an error in judgment. But that's not what I'm here to rant about. What I'm here to rant about is uh, the state of Nevada may have made an error in judgment because they are allowing the uh, hotels to be up to 90% occupancy now. Uh, and they're averaging about 70% occupancy. But here's where the state of Nevada has made an error in judgment. Uh, restaurants can only be at 50% capacity. 50% capacity when your hotels are occupied up to 90% capacity. So what does that mean? That means that <laughs> there's not enough places to eat all the time. And that is the error in judgment. You've got too many people and too few and restaurant capacity trimmed down. So... To say the least, um, sometimes the wait was long or it was hard to get a reservation. Now, we did have some really good meals. We had a really good time. However, the crowds were a little heavier than what we wanted. And uh, had we been smart about it and not gone the week before Easter and waited and, you know, say have gone maybe uh, this week or next week, you know, the crowds might have been lighter and less. And that NCAA Final Four thing might have been over and people weren't coming into town for that. But, uh, again, the hotels at 90% occupancy and the restaurants are only allowed to have 50% occupancy that meant our favorite restaurant for breakfast had an average wait of over an hour so <laughs> I'd go downstairs with my pipe and a cup of coffee put our name in and then my wife would get dressed shower all that stuff and <laughs> we'd wait the hour and 20 minutes or so but anyway uh, hello Nevada 50% occupancy in restaurants 70 to 90 percent occupancy in hotels math doesn't work all right uh hope you all <laughs> yeah anyway i'm not perfect uh want to make sure if you have any donations for the jdrf please email me again brian b-r-i-a-n at pipesmagazine.com uh comments or questions email me travel related stuff i've had a few of you reach out and i've helped you and kind of pointed you in the right direction so reach out to me i'm happy to help with that 
Uh, iTunes ratings and reviews would be absolutely wonderful if you're on iTunes. So thank you very much to uh, Linwood for joining me. Thank you all for tuning in, and until next time. the clouds when we're together just sing a song and think about sunny weather Hey, pipe guy, that hunk of burning love is your briar burning out.